Hello, I'm Jahan Colbreth, and welcome to Chia's podcast series on accreditation from the perspective of creditors. In this series, members of the Chia Accreditation Advisory Committee will discuss issues of importance to accrediting organizations and accredited colleges and universities. These presentations are in their own words and reflect the accreditors' views. And now, Timothy Eaton, President of the Transnational Association of Christian Colleges and Schools. Good morning and thank you. I do want to thank Chia for giving us this opportunity as Transnational Association of Christian Colleges and Schools to participate in the podcast. We really want to speak today to the, the patterns of evidence that are available to institutions when they begin to demonstrate compliance with standards and federal requirements so that we understand that really it's not a one-size-fits-all. It is truly dependent on the institution's mission and the way that they go about their business. What we have discovered, particularly in the last few years, that there are a number of innovative ways that institutions can really truly demonstrate how they comply with the standards and how they meet the standards. We are unusual as an agency in some respects because we do allow for a candidacy period of up to five years in which we really only require an institution to be in basic compliance with our institutional eligibility requirements. And so there are a limited number of those, about 60% of the total standards are applied to a candidate institution. Because we're a developmental accreditor, it does give an institution time to develop. Typically, we, for the candidacy period, we're dealing with younger less mature institutions. And so we spend those years overseeing annual reports, audits, giving a little closer supervision to those institutions prior to them reaching accredited status. And so that's kind of our approach. We also have a number of institutions that are duly accredited. They may also be accredited with a regional accreditor or one of the other faith-based accreditors, but they also are seeking tracks. For example, and, and I'll give this as far as just the general pattern of evidence, all accreditors, we all have forms to demonstrate compliance in the area of faculty. You know, the, the general principle, best practice in higher ed is to allow uh, an institution uh, and to have instructors who uh, have earned a degree at least one level above what they teach. So if they are, if someone's doing undergraduate uh, studies for for students who are trying to earn a bachelor's degree, uh, you would expect a master's as a minimum. Uh, we do go a step beyond that. If a faculty in that degree program, we require that at least 25% of the instruction in any degree program be delivered by terminally degreed faculty. That is a step because we are a developmental accreditor. We want our institutions to have seasoned faculty and to have faculty that uh, really operate at the highest level. And so we add that caveat to make sure that 
we have a good distribution of instruction as well as a, a variety of perspectives when a student is earning, earning a degree. For graduate instruction, it's a terminal degree for all graduate instruction. And so those are pretty simple rules. Now, the actual standard says that you have to demonstrate as an institution that your faculty has the expertise and are sufficient in number to actually deliver the programs. And so that goes a, a little farther beyond just the resumes and the vitas that we see from the faculty. And so our peer reviewers will actually go in and interview students, faculty, alumni, and really see kind of where the institution is. One way that we cooperate with other accreditors is you know, it, there's no sense in a, an, an accreditor preparing two faculty lists with their teaching assignments by different templates. And so, you know, we certainly would accept a template as long as it's organized by the institution in a way that's logical and that our peer reviewers can follow it. So it really is a matter of demonstrating a pattern of evidence that really follows supporting and demonstrating that you have a reliable, competent faculty as you move through the process. Finances is always a, a question, and so you must take several different things. We're looking for an institution that has a reasonable setup where the finances are segregated and actually uh, demonstrate a, a good business plan, a good business operation. Uh, and so we expect that from an institution. We're looking for, does the administration, do they receive regular reports? Does the CFO actually oversee the general operations of the, the financial department? Is there participation from the college constituencies in the budget process? Is someone managing the budget process? Many times, if you're not careful, an institution can have a budget that it looks good on paper, but either it's not achievable or it's not administered with any accountability or enough accountability to keep expenses in, in check. Uh, and we know that education is, is truly a, a highly involved with personnel. And so you, you have personnel costs in, in education. And so we, we want to just look there and see what the various elements are. We do require annual audits of our members, and so we oversee those. And I think in many ways, we as a, a developmental accreditor, we do recognize the faith-based element in, in higher ed. I think we forget sometimes that faith-based institutions have been involved in higher education in America longer than public institutions. And so there is an element there where we see the sweat equity of faculty, staff, those people who are contributing to making the enterprise really work and fulfilling the mission of the institution we look beyond just a simple ratio. We know that the ratio used by the Department of Ed is a, kind of a controversial item, particularly with private institutions. But we look beyond that and look at all the factors involved. 
Is the institution operating within those, you know, specified parameters? Is it fulfilling its mission? Does it have a good business plan moving forward? What is the track record? Are there payables uh, staying in line and within within a reasonable period? What we really look for is uh, an institution that is in control and an institution that is able to fulfill its mission and move forward to the next year, to the next phase that is available to it. Uh, And is it fulfilling the objectives that it stated for its students? Occasionally, we get calls from people who have a great idea for a school, but they don't have students. And so the answer is standard. You know, you don't have a school without students. And so we look at, are those programs that they're offering, do they have sufficient enrollment? Is the institution conscious of what needs to be done and the critical mass of students necessary to support a particular program, the institution as a whole? And so we continue to go through and and look at those items. Another area where you have a great variety of evidence presented by individual institutions is the area of assessment and student outcomes. We're not so concerned that every institution follows the same pattern that another institution does. And many times we fall into the trap as educators. We try to mimic success without really understanding the circumstances of the place that is having the success. And so we don't really know the environment, the culture there. However, We want to give our institutions the liberty of really showing us as they practice their educational enterprise, the results that are evidenced through their students. And so the institutional objectives, how do those translate to the program? How does an individual program or degree, how does it fit into the institutional progress and mission that as they have to their students? How does it line up with the advertisement and marketing of the institution? Are the students really receiving what they enroll for, what they're admitted for, what they believe they joined as an institution and as a program? And and really, how do those graduates demonstrate what they've learned, how they've met the objectives, how they've reached the skill levels and the competence? If an institution says that they teach students, critical thinking and problem solving, we want to know how that is demonstrated. How do you know that your students are doing what you advertise and what you have in your syllabi and all of your materials? And so we're looking at student success. And of course, CHIA requires that member agencies actually link student success and that it is a part of the institution's I guess, front door on the homepage so that it's highly visible and accessible to students so that they can see those basic items. And really with every institution, we have basic requirements that are prescribed by the U.S. Department of Education and graduation retention. But we also ask our institutions beyond this, how are you demonstrating fulfillment of your mission? And so in that area, 
some institutions they use surveys they also demonstrate the job placement rates they use various testing and measurements to actually add to the history and the and to demonstrate competence for their students and so uh, I think that really truly is an innovation that that we've been able to do as far as really letting the institution tell their story. No one knows the mission of the institution better than the people who are there, hands-on. And my regret many times in seeing institutions is typically they don't brag enough about what their students are doing and how their students are excelling. And so we we try to really actually uh, get in and dig and help that institution tell its story put its best face on. Also, knowing that that an institution is not perfect and that there is an evaluation cycle where you need to make modifications and changes and adjustments as you go through the process, even though you know that with every new cohort of students, every graduating class, sometimes implementation seems a little slow because it does take several years for uh, individual students to really show the effect of, of the changes. But really, truly, our goal is that institutions become self-reflecting, self-directing, self-improving, and eventually self-perpetuating institutions as far as the processes of caring for, overseeing, helping their students have success. So we do look at those student services that are provided. Does the institution participate in federal financial aid? That is for about half of our students that the answer is no. The other half of the institutions actually uh, do. And for those institutions, what we've discovered is that the majority of those students in those institutions are from underserved populations, Pell eligible first-generation college students. And so we really believe that Transnational is an access point for a great number of students, and we really contribute to the democratization of higher education. And so we have that opportunity. We want to serve those students and have an opportunity for those students to move forward. One last topic that I'd like to speak to is planning. When we look at an institution, do a peer evaluation, we look at the strategic plan. Some people call it the business plan, but it really is, uh, does the institution have an awareness of where it wants to go in the future? Are they making logical steps, incremental steps in making that progress and moving forward? Can they demonstrate through meeting minutes and other items, can they demonstrate that they truly are consciously trying to implement a plan and actually that the plan is working at least minimally and that they are adjusting the plan as they move forward. Thank you for this thoughtful presentation. And we thank the members of the CHIA Accreditation Advisory Committee for their participation in the podcast series and their support for CHIA. Look for another in CHIA podcast series soon. These podcasts are another way CHIA informs members and the accreditation community.